I'm Greg, and you're listening to Totally Preventable. Totally Preventable. Totally Preventable. Totally Preventable. Totally Preventable. Totally Preventable. Hey, Polly. Hey, Greg. How are you? Doing all right. Pretty excited about uh, our upcoming podcast. Yeah. Who are you, who have we got today? So today we have Allison Bologna. The Allison Bologna? The Allison. And it's not about, you know... Uh, Channel 10. It's not about her journalism. It's This is about her organization, Shree. Oh, what kind of organization is that? So it's a it's a yoga um, organization, but it's it's a little more. I, I came across it when I was at the uh, the student wellness seminar. Mm-hmm. Um, I came across it. I, I read the little blurb about it and I was like, wow, it, it definitely was intriguing. It, it, it caught my eye and this is before knowing who was associated with it. And, you know, I, from that little blurb, I went on the website and the thing that just really blew me away was the amount of students that it, that it, it already reaches. And then when you think yoga, I don't think youth. No. Um, but I mean, this is like some, somewhere over 8,000 youth or students that are, that are involved. So if you're able to capture students in, Engage them in something, then you're doing something right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, I'm willing to, to tap into her information and whatever you know treasure she's out there doing. To yeah. Get these to get these kids involved, I'm I'm all for it. Awesome! I can't wait. Yeah, me either. So, without further ado, today joining us on the Totally Preventable Podcast, we are honored to have the founder of Shree, Allison Bologna. How are you doing today? I'm good. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. Our pleasure. Welcome. Our pleasure. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, to, to start off, just tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I moved to Rhode Island in 2002. This is the longest I've lived anywhere. I moved up here from New York City, and I'm a journalist in the morning, so I work at NBC10 News. I co-anchor the morning show with Mario, and then once I get off the air, I transition into this role, which is running and operating Shree out of Pawtucket, which is where I live. I'm coming to you live from my attic in Pawtucket. Um, and we're anchored in Pawtucket, so all my community work kind of started here, but then it's statewide, truly really New England and international wide now. Wow. Yeah. I've, I want to ask, um, when people ask you what you do, do you say everything? Because <laughs> Greg and I catch ourselves, like when we're introducing ourselves at meetings, we never say podcast hosts. <laughs> like, it, like we try yeah. to correct each other, podcast hosts. Yeah. <laughs> I know a lot of people do a lot of different things now, which is nice. Technology has allowed us to do that. So, yeah, I mean, I would say first and foremost, I moved to Rhode Island to expand my journalism career, and I love Channel 10, and then they let me do all this community outreach work. So nice. I guess it's both social entrepreneur, journalist, a little bit of everything, um, but I'm really good at compartmentalizing so things stay in their lanes learn <laughs> <laughs> yeah. when they need to. <laughs> now, uh, my research uh, serves me correctly. You're also a designer? I like to design spaces in my free time, but I just do that for myself, my house, my studio, <laughs> friends, projects, which Your is kind attic. of the impetus, my attic. As you <laughs> um, it's kind of my go-to thing in my free time, but it's kind of also bled into my community work too, because we're, we'll talk about it in a bit, but we are renova- uh, renovating, revitalizing a 15,000 square foot bladed mill. And I'm doing all the design myself. I mean, with the help of an architect and everything, but um. Yeah, I enjoy designing spaces and collecting art and supporting local artists for sure. That is awesome. Fun. <laughs> um, so can you tell us what Shree is? Sure. 
So I've been living in Pawtucket for quite some time. When I first moved to Rhode Island from New York City, I moved um, to Providence. And then I ended up moving over to the riverfront in Pawtucket. And while living in the loft over there, I opened up a space because I really felt that it was important to bring yoga to populations who otherwise wouldn't have access. So when I was living in Pawtucket, the space we found on Broad Street was walking distance from my apartment. So it was empty. It was in need of some light. And I decided to go into that space. And Shri, in the language of yoga, means light. It means light, radiance, abundance. And because downtown has seen better days um, in Pawtucket, the idea was if I could bring my teaching with other teachers, friends of mine, into that space, fill the space with some light, we could figure out a way to not just do, you know, your typical commercial classes, but reach populations who otherwise wouldn't have access. And we started right in the downtown with our recovery center, which was the first ever, by the way, in the country, peer-to-peer -peer based recovery center in the country, funded by the Providence Center, which I was on the board of, run by a man by the name of Jim Gillen, Anchor Recovery. And he came up the street because we were in the neighborhood mm -hmm. and said, how do you feel about starting a, a yoga class for uh, men and women who are in recovery, AA, NA, whatever it might be. And that's how it all started. But you had to be in the neighborhood to do this sort of work if you wanted to do um, prevention work. Right. So that's how we started. And that was in April of 2010. That was a very raw space that I designed, um, kept it open, clean, bright, modern. And we started there and we've outgrown every lease space since. And that's why we're moving into a larger mill and expanding our mission. So Shri in the language of yoga means light, radiance, abundance. The idea is the practice of yoga lightens up space, lightens up your own space and the space around you. And we also use it as an acronym for support, honor, respect, inspire. Mm. So if you study yoga, you know, a lot of us in the West think of yoga as a physical practice, which of course it is. That's one component of it. But really Shri at its heart is what we call a karma yoga studio, meaning what we try to do is show up in service for people. Karma is, the Bhagavad Gita is, we learn about the philosophy of yoga. And karma yoga is really about showing up with skill in the service of others without an attachment to the outcome. So the idea was we wanted to kind of show up in our community, teach the practice of yoga without an attachment to the outcome, knowing though with skill, we wanted to bring some light to our space in our downtown strip, in our city, and then larger into our state. So that's what it means. And support, honor, respect, inspire. We infuse those, those values in every class by starting every class with introductions and intentions. So an adaptive class, for example, or an Alzheimer's class that I teach every Friday would start with, my name is Allison. And today I support the cold temperatures. <laughs> so every class, whether it's schools, shelters, hospitals, recovery centers, we always start with introductions and intentions. And either our teachers or our students will pick support, honor, respect, or inspire, because they're action words. The idea is like you support, honor, respect, or inspire someone, someplace, something. So that's that's where Shri comes from. All yeah. right. Prior to knowing that, I, I just knew the RI was something Rhode Island. I was like, what? okay, so that's funny. Seven <laughs> Hills, Rhode Island, which is an agency we work with, they use Shri as an acronym and some mail was coming to us. I'm like, is there another Shri? What's going on? <laughs> and that conversation led to a partnership with them. Okay. <laughs> nice. But yeah, it does kind of double as Rhode Island for sure. But um, yeah, we use it as an acronym for those action words. Right. And then it means light. Think of it as light, radiance, and abundance. And the idea is that we're going into places that it can be kind of dark, hospitals, psychiatric centers. And we're trying to just bring in some light by showing up. Mm. And then the yoga follows. Right.
So can you tell us some of the benefits of, of yoga, especially sure. when to prevention and, and then all the different areas that you do work in? So many conditions, chronic conditions, I believe are totally preventable. So when we're talking about uh, reducing toxic stress, we can do things like learn how to control our breathing, increase focus, find social and emotional balance. And the idea with Shri is that we have a curriculum that all of our teachers are trained on. And in addition to the obvious physical benefits, right, of being flexible and being able to balance on one foot, whatever it might be, I think what's overlooked a lot of times is the community aspect of how yoga can bring us all together because we're coming into a shared space, even during COVID, shared virtual space or in-person space. And we're supporting one another by showing up, practicing with one another. And that can be a physical practice for sure. You know, most people think of warrior one, warrior two, tree pose, chair pose. But in addition to all the physical, it's really the social and emotional benefits that we see the most payoff, if you will, for our students. So in schools, you know, we hear about social and emotional learning all the time, self-regulation, taking a breath before maybe responding to something in a way that may not be appropriate or helpful, coming together as a community to lift one another up in ways that reduces toxic stress and increases emotional and physical health and balance. Those are the benefits. Okay. It's not about standing on your head. I mean, I love to do a headstand, but when you come to a Shri class, you know, the fancy yoga postures and poses, like that's great. But when you come to a Shri class, most people are showing up in jeans, t-shirts, you know, we're not decked out in yoga clothes, <laughs> yoga clothes. We're trying to meet students where they are, which is during a school day, um, veterans before they might meet in the veterans treatment court before they um, meet up with a judge. Mm. Kristen goes in and teaches a 45 minute class, very gentle class so that uh, we can help kind of relax people before a rather charged situation. Right. So those are the less obvious things, but the things for Shri that we put front and center. So if you were to come to a Shri class, yes, you would see, um, you know, some traditional yoga poses, but if you were to come to my Hope Center class on a Friday morning at the Alzheimer's Center, we're in chairs the whole time and it might be very subtle movements, but a lot more is going on when it comes to the brain and breathing and really reducing toxic stress. That's that's the number one thing, which we all need right now. Stress exists, yes. it's not going away. We cannot prevent stress in our lives, but what is totally preventable is reducing toxic stress and learning how to deal with it and cope with it and not be, you know, burdened by it, but instead turn it into a, into a mechanism through which we can thrive, actually. I really like the sound of that approach. It's very, yeah, very different. I'm, I'm picturing I was out here in this open space doing some morning yoga. Here you know, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that, that was yeah. a fear of mine is always, you know, when I, when I think of yoga, I, I think of the traditional, I, right. I think about the other aspects of it. And, and I thank you for putting that up, out. Well, it's been commercialized to the point where out West, you know, you see very young people, for example, you know, standing on their heads and doing really wild poses, which is great, but it doesn't, fit everybody's practice right. and a yoga practice can be very still and silent in addition to very athletic at the same time. What we're trying to do at Shri is create kind of a comprehensive approach so that we can meet all students with the same values, but do it in a way that's approachable, fun, and a feeling of I can when, when people walk out of one of our classes, like, oh, I can do that. Mm. I can sit up taller. That's yoga. I can think before I speak before saying something that might, might be harmful to someone. Like all of those 
are folded into more the intellectual and emotional practice of yoga. That's really what we focus on at Shri. A lot of our funders like to hear, you know, we're reducing blood pressure and all of that, which is true. But I really think what we're trying to do more than that is to create more understanding and tolerance and inclusion in our communities. And we're doing that by showing up and mixing together different populations who otherwise wouldn't connect in our community right. if we weren't bringing them together for a shared purpose. Excellent. Did you know I can do a headstand? I did not know you can do a headstand. <laughs> I don't really look like I can do a headstand, but I can do a headstand. <laughs> oh, we do People have a People are witness, always so. surprised. <laughs> we have students, by the way, who are 100 plus years old at Little Sisters of the Poor, and they practice with us like every other student. Wow. We have little kids up to 103 year olds. Wow. Absolutely. And weekly classes in Rhode Island. That is, that awesome. is great. That is great. So how, what do you attribute your large youth following to? It's hard to get youth involved in things. Mm. Through the schools. It's definitely yeah. through the schools. Our first outreach program was with the recovery center because they were on our block and Jim Gillen, who led it, was just a forward thinker and believed in different preventable treatments for folks. And he also believed in the community style approach. We don't teach private classes. We teach everything in group settings. Mm -hmm. So he walked up to us and he said, how do you feel about starting a free yoga class? And we'd love to work with you. And also the teacher who we assigned to the class um, had a shared connection and a lot of experience. She's also a social worker and knew a lot about how to work with folks in recovery. That's important that we don't just throw any teacher into any class. We, we are very thoughtful about matching classes with the appropriate teachers. From there, um, word started kind of getting out and a PE teacher from the Blackstone Valley Prep School, one of the mayoral academies in Cumberland heard about us. And Ed came to one of our classes and said, will you incorporate this into one of our PE periods? Mm. So that's how that started in 2012. And then it just started catching on. We also have a very open door policy at Tree so that like parents could come with their teenagers, maybe not little kids, because that would be a very different looking class. Right. But we had this kind of idea of anyone's welcome, any age, and we started building from there. But incorporating yoga into the school day really made a difference. And also, we teach about 20 classes a week at Bradley Pediatric Hospital with kids. Awesome. So some kids might just be introduced to yoga through Shri through the hospital. Mm -hmm. And then after they leave the hospital, they might see another Shri teacher in their class. And then we open up the doors then into the community. And we do a lot of family yoga classes too. Um, at Winters Elementary School, for example, and Pawtucket, we'll do after school programming, but also family yoga nights. We kind of respond to whatever the community asks for, but that's the introduction I would say to how they hear about us is through the schools and hospitals. That is awesome. That is awesome. One of the things I found fascinating was the number. I mean, you said you started in 2010, but yeah. over 8,000 youth. Mm -hmm. That is- 8,500 students as a whole. So that would include youth. We also include veterans, men and women in recovery. Um, but the first school we started at, and I have to give Ed credit, he was really, you know, to bring yoga into a school back then was kind of odd. Yeah. We had to make sure that we explained that it was secular. We weren't coming in and oming and chanting, but we were instead creating more of a secular practice. But he was very open-minded to it. Mm -hmm. And with him, he helped us kind of build the curriculum too with what would the kids like, what would they respond to. So you'll hear yoga raps. Right. Reach up high, bend down low, lift your head right past your toes. Now plant your hands into the mat and walk your feet right to the back. So we started creating. But we had the kids like rhyming with us. We do a lot of storytelling and our approach is very playful, joyful. And I think that's one of the ways we were able after getting into the hospitals and schools, listening to the kids responding and then building this curriculum with music and we, we call them Shri Raps. You can call them whatever you want, but um, <laughs> building ways to incorporate 
fun and play into the curriculum is really important because you can really only measure the success of a program, right? Based upon whether or not people come back. Right. And yoga is a practice. And for the practice to create a healthy lifestyle, you have you have to do it. Like you can't just do it once and never look at it again. Mm -hmm. um, you have to really show up and keep practicing. So that's the idea. We want to keep pulling people back because they want to come back and it's fun. That is great. Yeah. Now, you, you briefly touched upon a few, but can you tell us about other programs provided by Shree? Sure. So we started with the recovery program that's been going strong since 2011. So we teach both an open to the public class. Inclusion is really important to us. An example would be Tuesday nights free to men and women in recovery. But if you're not in recovery, but you still want to come to the class, because it largely looks like what we call a vinyasa class, a traditional yoga class, um, folks can come. After the recovery class, we started the school project. So those are classes K through 12, before, during, and after the school day. Then we started the adaptive yoga program. That's for adults with physical, intellectual, and developmental disabilities. Down syndrome, autism, um, traumatic brain injuries. And that class started in 2012 with me approaching the Flying Shuttles Art Studio in Pawtucket, knocking on the door. They were across the street from us. So that's why starting in our neighborhood was so important. And just said, you guys want to want to try a yoga class and the program director said sure but we don't have any funding so i said it's no problem it's free yeah. so we started our nonprofit arm so we'll get yeah. to surprise in a minute but um i said let's just try it and that class has been going strong wednesdays at 12 30 since um since april of 2012 so the adaptive program has now grown in partnership with the arc of blackstone valley pro abilities avatar uh fogarty center life looking upwards, spur wink. I mean, it's all week long and we have a project program director for that. We teach veterans in the VA, at the Providence Vet Center, at the Veterans Treatment Court, the Rhode Island National Guard, the Air National Guard. Uh, we teach in the hospitals, Bradley Pediatric Hospital and Slater Psychiatric Hospital, three weekly classes and then alternating weekend classes. And those are for folks who are inside the hospital. But when Pine Street opens up our new location, we want to bring folks who are allowed to out of the hospital and into the community um, with professional support. So that's coming into play. Schools, shelters, hospitals, recovery centers, veteran centers. And we are now also teaching a weekly class at a school in Spain. We've wow. taught classes at schools in Nepal. Once we train teachers and they might move around because life you know, brings us to different places. Right. So Maste, who was a Pawtucket resident, lived in Rhode Island, I should say for a long period of time, did our teacher training taught with us in Pawtucket. She and her husband moved to Spain. She's from Spain. And two months ago, she said, can I can I teach some Shri classes at my kid's school? So she's up and running. We sent her posters, curriculum materials. It's free to the school and our nonprofit pays her for her teaching time. That's so we are teaching kind of everywhere right now. And we have more and more classes coming online with our new location opening up, LGBTQ classes. Um, it, it keeps growing based upon who wants to teach what too? So when we have new trainees and they tell me, oh, I really want to teach at a refugee center. I say, tell me where and when and let's make it happen. Okay. That's how it comes about. Now, how how intense is the training? What is the type of training? Sure. Okay. So we have teachers who come to us already certified at a 200 or 500 hour level or not. Mm -hmm. You don't have to be an already certified yoga teacher to train with us. It's 80 hours. Um, I run it in partnership with rotating Shri teachers because each project military, adaptive schools, each has a project leader, and then they are then in turn mentoring new teachers. So our 80 hour training used to be three weekends, eight to six, Saturday, Sunday, and we'd have social workers join us, 
Um, folks who might be retired, who like yoga, practice yoga, did a class with us, then wanted to teach. We also have adaptive students turned adaptive teachers who are sponsored by our nonprofit and supported by our project leader and their direct service professionals. During COVID, we decided to condense it into a Friday, Saturday, Sunday over two weekends instead of a Saturday, Sunday. So it comprises 80 hours though, because it's very intense. <laughs> there are long days that go into best practices, sample classes, meet and greet with students and executive directors. It breaks down the curriculum and then it follows with an apprenticeship program. So what that means is once we get through the weekends, then trainees are paired with project leaders and senior teachers and they go into Slater Hospital with us and they go into Winters Elementary and they come to my adaptive class and they learn in real time in a really practical way with our curriculum. And then from there, there's written workshops and on one-on-one -on -one mentoring sessions and then they're up and running. So our last teacher training, we already have five teachers up and running since the spring teaching. And we have another seven from that group who are very close to getting there. So it's an intense program, but the idea is that we're all trained on the Shri values, the rhythm building components of our curriculum. We have a philosophy that rhythm, getting in tune with your breath, the rhythm of your body, how you connect with your community is how you decrease um, toxic stress. If you've been experiencing or experienced trauma, you lose rhythm, right? So we're trying to build rhythm back into the practice. And that also means that all of our teachers are trained in certain language modalities so that we're not triggering students. I mean, you can't avoid every trigger, obviously, but we do our best to try because something like that, totally preventable. We also are really mindful about making sure that we try never to cancel classes so that we are consistent for our partners. So if I'm the main teacher for a particular class, I'll have two Shri trained teachers with me who can sub for me. Right. And they're speaking the same language as me and they're familiar to my group. So Janice is my main sub for the Hope Alzheimer Center. So if I'm not there, they recognize Janice. So it's not like, who is the strange person which can cause stress? And Janice will go in with reach up high and bend down low and lift your head right past your toes, right? So they're yeah. used to a lot of the curriculum components as well as the people delivering them. So that's what the training involves. It, it, it's not to suppress creative expression because all of our teachers have all kinds of wonderful gifts that they bring to it. And creative expression is encouraged, mm -hmm. but we want some consistency with each class so that it's a program, right? It's a program that everybody's trained on and it's consistent from teacher to teacher. We have a whole software system on the back end where all of our classes are tracked by attendance, class notes, funding. It's really easy to use too. It takes a teacher five minutes after a class to log number of students and class notes and how they align with the curriculum. That way, if I have a sub, for example, next week, Janice can see what I did the week before. Right. We're able to run reports really quickly. And the administrators from all our partner agencies love that because we can say, actually Slater Hospital just asked this week, can you remind us? Because I want to give a, a, a report to the state house. How many classes did we pay for and how many did Shree fund? And we were able to say we funded over 300 classes last year. So the state house loves that right. because it's kind of the matching model. It's engagement, right? Mm -hmm. We're each engaged in the um, in the productivity of a program and we're both into it, which right. is important, I think, on the back end too. Wow. I know that consistency must really be beneficial. It's really important. Yeah. yeah. It's really important. Because yoga is great, but if you have like a program that's on and off, it's, it's not going to have the same benefit. And we're trying to build relationships too with our community partners, mm -hmm. right? It's about showing up, spending time with one another, 
yoga is kind of the, the mechanism for creating that space. We teach mostly in circles, creating those sharing circles. And if it's spotty, it doesn't really have an impact. It's right. not effective. Right. You want that connection. Yeah, you really do. And these, these students, like I've had the same students for 10 years. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we pay attention to like my dog got older in those 10 years. Like, where's Betty? Where's Basil? Like our families, especially like, during the holidays, during COVID, we had um, what we called a, a phone tree. We were picking up the phone and with permission, calling agencies, students, sending out letters so that people felt a connection. Really yoga means yoke to connect. So we're really just trying that. to show up and connect with one another. Okay. Hmm. Did not know that. No. Yoga, yoga yoke. Yeah. All right. Union. Union. <laughs> I've heard you use the term social enterprise a couple times. Sure. Can you explain that? Absolutely. So social enterprise is a way of building out an organization on the back end that's sustainable and has social impact. So it can be a for-profit, it could be a non-profit, it could be a hybrid. We're a hybrid. We have two arms. When I started Shri, I just opened up the doors. And then when I realized as we were partnering with other nonprofit organizations who may not have budgets to support even a low-cost class, that's when we decided we wanted to start our own nonprofit so that we could still pay teachers. It would be at a reduced rate because it's charitable, charitable but we'd be able to offer the classes for free to the community. And by free, I mean, it's not only free to the students attending, but it's also free to the agency through which they're coming. Mm -hmm. So more than 100 classes we fund a month are completely free to the community, to the students and to the agencies to which they belong. And the idea is also kind of measuring social impact. If we're doing this work and the community says they support it, well, come to a fundraiser once a year and support the teachers who are supporting the larger community. So we started just with a fundraiser in 2012 to see if the community would show up to support free programming, they did. Mm -hmm. And that's when we built out the social enterprise so that we could have this nonprofit arm that could then self-fund programs. Cause we wanted to be able to keep programs going but still pay teachers. We do have volunteer opportunities for folks who may in our new location wanna work the front desk for an hour and greet students, um, help us at a fundraiser. But I felt very strongly that our teachers should be paid for their time because they invested in a training, they are skilled and they should feel valued in that way. So you're not gonna be a millionaire teaching a tree, <laughs> but you'll definitely be compensated in a fair way above, by the way, minimum wage for your time. Mm -hmm. And that's also how we retain teachers and sustain the organization. But we also look for other organizations to support us too. So if an organization does have funding, then they may pay us the studio side a flat rate for a low cost class. Mm -hmm. So still, you know, a student will, when you break out the math, a student, if the agency is paying for the class, the student will still be coming for free, but the agency might be sponsoring that student and it comes out to like $2 for an hour class. An average class in the community is 15, 18, $20. Mm -hmm. So it's either low cost or free is how we set it up. But our nonprofit is, is the arm that then kind of built this hybrid so that we could really continue to give in the community in a truly charitable way. And I am not a paid executive director. We do have a development director who we pay a stipend, but all other than her stipend, every dollar raised funds a free class. That's it. That's the model is that clean and simple. And all the expenses are on the studio end. So rent, insurance, and then the studio gets reimbursed at a reduced rate to pay the bookkeeper, to pay our operations director, et cetera. But every dollar on the nonprofit end um, supports free classes to the community at large. So social enterprise, social impact, but in a sustainable way. Mm. So that's how we, we built it. 
And I built it off of a lot of research off of other models in other places. And one of them being Peace Love Studios, which had a for-profit and a nonprofit arm, mm -hmm. just to figure out ways to make it more modern too, as well. And the for-profit arm is where our Shri Bark is under and then it gives back to the nonprofit. So that's another piece of social enterprise too. Building, scaling right. in different ways that are socially responsible with impact. That is, wow. Yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> this, this model took time to develop. I want to be clear. <laughs> you know, we're 12 years into this. It wasn't like it just came overnight, but I have a lot of really good, mentoring is really important. I had a lot of like advisors who I talked to. We worked with IRS agents and other nonprofit leaders, but I felt very strongly that we wanted to have a strong charitable impact, but we wanted to do it in a more modern way. Right. And this is the way we decided to do it was through a social enterprise. Wow. Now coming from a develop a development background, the for the donors, knowing that every dollar goes towards what they want to be, what they want their money to go towards. Sure. Like, you know, to 70 cents of my dollars going to operations and things. Right. Like that. It, right. That is huge. And I can mention this too, like whatever the cost of the class is whether an agency is paying the studio for a low cost class or the nonprofit is funding it for free, we do a 60, 40 split with all of our teachers. So what that means is whatever the cost of the class is to teach and operate 60% of that goes to the teacher. Wow. So it's always, always towards the teacher versus the back end. Mm. So that just means on the back end, when it comes to the operations, cause it's, you know, in the real world, you, you need, you need to pay someone for their time to do the bookkeeping, to do the accounting, to do the scheduling, to clean the studio, to pay the insurance. I mean, these are all real world costs, but you get very smart when you have to make it lean and mean, mm. right? Lean and not lean and mean, but <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. um, I'm really thoughtful about um, expenses and I have a really good bookkeeper who keeps track of everything. So that's really important to us. So even on you know the studio side, we can account for every dollar where it's going and how it's being spent. Even the layout of our new studio, like, everything has been really thought out. So it's it's effective and efficient. Yeah, clean and mean. Gets it right. done. <laughs> <laughs> Would you like to tell us more about your new studio? Yes. Sure. So we outgrew three leased spaces in Pawtucket. We started on Broad Street, then we went to the Armory, and then we went to Hope Artiste Village, and we just kept growing, growing out of each space. And I really felt strongly that we wanted to invest in the community because when we first started Shri, it was urban revitalization yoga. And the whole idea behind this was reaching out to populations who otherwise wouldn't have access to these classes, but also to help revitalize downtown, mm. which is an urban center. So long story short, uh, the mayor found out that we kept outgrowing space and he connected us with a building owner, um, Dave and Diane, who own a 150,000 square foot mill in Pawtucket, and then a smaller 15,000 square foot mill next to it. So Dave and Diane have become friends of mine over the years. And in 2018, when I met them, we started talking about buying the building and mm -hmm. we came up with a price and that was all fine. But renovating the building was in the millions of dollars range. So I'm like, how is this supposed to work? <laughs> so... We decided to partner with Pawtucket Central Falls Development Corporation, another nonprofit organization that works in the field of affordable housing. And I always wanted to get into affordable housing, especially in the city of Pawtucket, where we desperately need it. And this building created that opportunity. So it's a 15,000 square foot mill, about a block and a half away from where the new MBTA commuter rail's coming in. And the trains are supposed to start running in January. So that means veterans, adults with disabilities who don't drive but do use the bus service, will be able to get to us from all over the state, which is really important to us. So we bought the building and we started renovating it after COVID. We did all the design work during COVID, but we're hoping to open 
January, February, March of 2023, it got really complicated with COVID because the cost of everything went through the roof and we're funded by a lot of different agencies and, you know, offices shut down during COVID, but everybody was really motivated to get this building open. So I cannot say enough good things about the state and the city really making this come to light. So the first floor will be Shri. It's 15,000 square feet. So it's divided evenly between two um, rectangles. Mm -hmm. Has parking, huge. I know that sounds kind of silly, but when you're dealing with school buses and handicapped vans coming in and out all day, we had major parking problems with all three spaces. So live and learn, bringing people into a space to lower their stress when they're coming and they can't find a parking space, right? right. Counterproductive. I, just, I live in Little Compton. You never have to worry yeah. about parking. When I have to go somewhere in the city, I'm always like, where will I park? Like immediately, <laughs> I'm like, where am I gonna park? You ask somebody to go to a yoga studio and already they're stressed out about where they're gonna park or the, the drivers of our senior shuttles. So. All of this played into our location. So this mill has, we worked it out where we had to subdivide it off, off the, I call it the mothership, the 150,000 square foot <laughs> mill. So we got 40 spaces, a detached garage, which we're hoping we might be able to adapt into a coffee shop run by Life Inc. for adults with developmental and intellectual disabilities to also serve the train station. But the first floor is divided into three commercial spaces. So Shree's half of it. And then two other commercial spaces are going to the Flying Shuttle Arts Studio, which was circle back to, right. to broad street my very first adaptive yoga class what? was with this group so it's an art studio for adults with intellectual and developmental disabilities and then the segway charter school which is a k through eight but they're growing to a high school charter school in central falls this will be their family engagement center so the food bank will be working with them so it's um, helps deal with food insecurity um, adult ed learning classes it's where the kids will come and get their uniforms or textbooks and they'll be incorporated into Shreve where we're going to start a yoga and Espanol program for the community at large based out of Segway is the goal. And then upstairs is an expansion of our mission, which is affordable housing. So, but to do it in an inclusive way. So we have eight apartments, they're brand new, it's all green, everything's electric, and it'll be five apartments, one and two bedrooms that are affordable housing units. So they have 30 year deed restrictions on them. And then three of them, which are market rate because we need to pay back the bank. <laughs> but we also wanna be inclusive. Um, affordable housing for many, many years has been kind of over there. Right. Silos. The idea with this building is it will be a live work wellness community where the people upstairs can come downstairs and see the artist, grab a cup of coffee, come to a yoga class, go a block, jump on the bus, train. So the idea is that it's an urban setting and I'm working with um, Life Inc. and the Fogarty Center um, because there's a lot of folks with intellectual and developmental disabilities who are craving a more urban experience who might not need to be in a 24-hour staffed group home, right. but want to be in something a little more engaged and independent. Right. So Fogarty Center has a whole independent living um area of expertise. So they're working with me on that and they're already part of our adaptive yoga program. So it's about building partnerships again. And then we've got some green space and we're doing streetscape improvements and I love art. So back to design, bringing local artists in. Um, we have a lot of plans and we're hoping maybe you guys can come to come yeah. to their ribbon cutting. Yeah, I was gonna be like, hey, hey, hey. Hard date out there, but I'm gonna manifest March, 2023 as like definitely by then is what wow. I'm hoping to do. Awesome. This is clear your schedule. Exactly. <laughs> I mean... We have a we have a team of 43 of us. So, you know, I'm talking to you from a 
from this kind of high level, a big vision, but know that like right now today, we've got 10 classes running and there's a whole team of us working together. So Shannon runs all our operations. She's the go-to person during the day to make sure all the teachers feel supported. The new classes are being scheduled and coded. Robin is our main mentor for all of our teachers. CVS gave us a $25,000 grant this year for operations, which is amazing. And by operations, I mean real operations, like mentoring teachers. It's not just going out to kind of some lofty ideas, but every hour that Robin spends mentoring new teachers so they feel supported in the curriculum is really embodied in the community. We're able to support her in her time for. So that's huge. Kristen is our student advocate. So if somebody has trouble, this was a big deal during COVID. I, I can't figure out how to get your Zoom link. I don't know how to register for class. Kristen will pick up the phone, call them, and walk them through every screenshot. Right. So there's a whole team of us on the customer service end trying to really help people navigate these new waters we're in because the world is not going backwards. It's going forward when it comes to digital. And I want to make sure no student's left behind. Right. So there's a whole team of us. So while I'm talking like the big stuff, everything underneath that and I'm involved in every little piece of that too, where and when needed without micromanaging. I do not want to be a micromanager. Um, we're all supporting one another at all these different levels so that people feel part of it. So even if we're not seeing each other week to week, we're definitely in touch. <laughs> now with with the this this view, I mean, just the the layout sounds expensive. Is there, oh, the building? Yes. Is there still ways for uh, potential donors to, to contribute? Sure. How yeah, we, we just closed our funding gap, which was huge. And it came from a lot of grassroots reaching out. It was also a tremendous amount of support from Centerville Bank Foundation, Champlin Foundation, the Ruthier Foundation, huge help in all of this. And we started a giving wall campaign during COVID too. And we wanted to do that in an inclusive way to meet our mission as well. So, you know, you go to a lot of nonprofits and they see names on a wall. But what happens is, you know, it's $10,000 to get your name on the wall. Treat is not bad. So we have people, we have an online giving wall and a physical giving wall. It could be $25 to get your name on the wall. We already, we hit our, we hit our benchmark because we were hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars over budget because of inflation. Mm. And, and we had a lean budget. I'm going back to the word lean, but we were very thoughtful about how we were spending our dollars to build out this space. But even with that and value engineering, we were over budget. So we started the Giving Wall campaign and we hit our goal at 50,000. We're a little over it right now. So that's been really great. That's but little things keep creeping up nonetheless. So if anybody wants to contribute for sure and come to our ribbon cutting, see your name on our online Giving Wall or in the actual space. Um, and you can definitely contribute for sure because things pop up. <laughs> <laughs> it popped up yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, sure. I want to mention one note about the space. Sure. We were very thoughtful about the space as far as who we're serving, how and when. So for example, it's gender neutral bathrooms. Oh. Um, there's, you can see the exits from everywhere inside the space. That's a big deal when we're working with veterans, always never feeling like trapped or mm. not knowing how to get out of a space. All kind of the, the modalities through which best practice was, best let me try that again, best practices that we teach in our curriculum we wanted that to follow through in the design of our space. So, you know, the bathrooms are kind of in the middle. You can get in and out of different areas. There's tons of light mm. coming into the space. This mill has been closed up, bricked up for years. The, the windows just got delivered today. <laughs> After this, I'm going to see the windows. This is a big day. 
This All is right. midday for sure. The windows are being delivered. <laughs> First floor windows. But bringing light into the space. This is going to be a very bright studio. Um, but we were really thoughtful about how people get in and out and that everybody feels like they're welcome in the space. And it's sensory specific too for our folks with autism. And so we thought all of that out. It's a very clean, neutral space, but bright at the same time so that we could best serve everybody. I've thought of everything. We try. I mean, I'm sure there's other stuff, you know, for sure. But is everything totally preventable? No. But we do our best to try and look ahead. Right. Because I really only kind of have one shot at doing this building because I have PCFD. I have their time right now. Rhode Island housing, the city, the state. But once we're up and done and the ribbon cutting's over, you know, a phase two is, I'm not ready for a phase two. Right. I want to get it all kind of as much of it done as I can in the beginning. So then we're really focused at that point, just on building out the programs even right. more. Wow. So we're um, based in Newport County. We're Newport County. Yes. Um, you teach Newport. Oh, so that was my question. So do you have any connections here in Newport County? Yes. If you want to come to one of our adaptive classes, we teach Tuesday mornings, 10 a.m. at the Newport Boys and Girls Club. And that's an adaptive yoga class for um, the Looking Upwards groups. Actually, my sister is one of the students there. So one of your questions I think you were planning on asking me is like, why Shri? Well, my younger sister is 40 years old. She's nonverbal, autistic, learning, disabled. So she now lives in Jamestown and she goes to two different programs, Life and Looking Upwards. And she's a Shri student at the Looking Upwards class with Susan, who's a wonderful teacher. I'm her sub. Mm -hmm. See, we all like support one another. Um, on Tuesdays at the Boys and Girls Club. So that's one of our Newport classes. We've taught at the um, at Pell Elementary School. Oh. And then we do a lot at in Jamestown now. We've partnered with another studio. It's owned by one of my good friends, Coral Brown. So we teach an after-school class there. We teach a yoga for educators class there. And then we use the Baptist Church across the street for more adaptive and seniors classes. So we have two partner studios right now, the Woods and Lincoln, where we do some senior programming for the northern part of the state and then Coral Studio. Because right now that we don't have space, we are literally crashing church basements, school cafeterias, boys and girls clubs. But the Newport class will stay in Newport. We might do some field trips up to Pawtucket, but we want to make sure that we're spread out and not asking people to drive 45 minutes. It's Rhode Island. (laughs) (laughs) We'll do whatever the community wants when it comes to that. But we definitely have a presence in Jamestown and Newport for sure. Wow. So yes, I was going to ask the driving force behind your creation of of Tree. I'm not going to say because of Jackie. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like that straight of a line, but I've always done volunteer work for adults with intellectual needs. And I was teaching, you know, when I was on the air channel 10, like I teach an afternoon class here or there. And I was just, you know, over the years thinking to myself, well, why Jackie could not come to this class for a lot of different reasons. First of all, she couldn't pay for it. Um, the class, she's autistic. Like she wouldn't be able to understand what was happening. It wasn't built for her. So I was thinking about all these different things while thinking about my own immediate neighborhood. And that's what started Shree. So I did it, you know, on my block. We, we figured out how to with language and movement in a way that could benefit someone like Jackie, where she feels included in the circle. Um, is she going to follow every, every part of the class? Absolutely not. But she's in the circle. She's laughing. She's having fun. And Susan will call around, look at Jackie. Let's do what Jackie's doing today. And like, the mirror hands activity might turn to her bouncing the ball up and down and she might do the ball pass with us, just a mindfulness activity. So all of this 
played in at once, but the most immediate line was serving my immediate neighborhood. And then thinking, how can someone like my sister benefit from this with space and teachers who can communicate with her and put her in a safe place so that she can grow socially and emotionally? Because I think there are a lot of different conditions, societal or not, that aren't good for us. And they are totally preventable when it comes to stress, inequality, um, that people not feeling safe in certain space. And we, we can do something about that. Right. And I'm, I'm trying to be proof of that with a whole team of people who believe in the vision with me. And I do think it's important. It's funny, one of our funders said, well, why, why do the building now? I mean, you figured out during COVID how to do everything online. Why not just keep doing that? It's not the same. I mean, we'll definitely always keep that as the backup or the complement. but being together in real time, in real space, and investing in our community, brick and mortar, I feel is really important. When we drive by this mill now that's been boarded up for the last 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, and suddenly the windows go in, the light, it brightens up the whole neighborhood, right? Even if you're just driving by, you never go in. Exactly. And that's the practice of yoga too. So I live in Pawtucket, the mills in Pawtucket, it's all kind of what's around you, how can we show up to support one another? All of that played into, in addition to Jackie, starting this. And we have fun. Right. Now, I know it sounds like a lot of work, but I would not be doing this in my free time if I didn't think it was something that made a difference and is a lot of fun to do. And I've made so many friends outside of Shri through Shri that I probably wouldn't have met otherwise. Wow. We have fun. I tell all the teachers, if you're like dreading going to a class, tell me, tell Shannon, tell Kristen, let's pull it off the schedule and find another teacher. Like it's all about like you should get excited to, to go see your group. Right. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing your story. That was, that was sure. wonderful. Thank you. There's pictures of Jackie on our website too, if you want to take a peek. All right. Yeah. So do you have a website? People can we go. do. It's Shri Yoga, S-H-R-I, Shri Yoga.org. And from there, there's videos of what our, what our classes look like, school adaptive. There's a schedule. A lot of our classes might be outreach, but also open to the public. So even if you can't get to Pawtucket, like our yoga for educators class right now is online. And when we go in person, it will still stay online. So there's all kinds of different ways that you can connect. And if you're interested in our Shri Bark snacks, that's that poster behind me, I can tell you really quickly, they're in all the public schools. So they're uh, nut-free rounds and muffins that go into all the public schools, uh, another alternative to less healthy options. Right. Um, and we partner with all the food service providers in the state to bring the snacks into the schools and they have yoga poses on the labels with positive sayings. <laughs> so the Shri Bark is another website. You can get to it through the yoga website, but that is shribarksnacks.com. So if you're listening and you're in a local school and you want us as part of your breakfast or lunch program, we can help with that. Um, but portions of the proceeds from our snack sales help fund our nonprofit. That's another social enterprise piece. Awesome. I am so happy that they <laughs> time to be well, our I appreciate team. the invitation. So thank oh, you. Yeah, we will be looking for our invitation for the ribbon cutting for you sure. Know, we're gonna go over it on my calendar now. Yes. Keep my eyes open. You know, if there are organizations in Newport that you think would benefit from a weekly Shri class with one of our trained teachers, we have quite a few teachers in South County. Um, Newport, who would love to teach in their own neighborhoods, just shoot me an email. I'm accessible to everybody. It's Allison with one L at shriyoga.org. Um, we do have a wait list of some programs going right now, depending on which project it falls under. But we are, you know, really open to supporting everybody to the best of our ability. So 8,500 students, yeah, plus or minus now. 
I, I predict that we're going to double that once we're into our space. Wow. Because once we have our space and everybody's coming and going, it'll be easy to to build from that while still keeping the quality of the programming, I hope. Right, right. This is going to be great. I can't wait to, to even, just with our well, coalition, to, to give that. So funny, because Pateka Central Falls Development Corporation is like, when's the next mill renovation? So it's <laughs> open. Once I'm done with the renovation piece of Pine Street, I've been asked to do a couple of other little projects outside of Pawtucket. And I would consider it if it's like the right project, meaning underutilized, blighted, otherwise neglected property. Mm -hmm. Keep me in mind because oh, it would be yeah. nice to, I've learned a lot in this process <laughs> and I'm open to investing outside of Pawtucket too when, when the days comes and the days right. I'm down in Jamestown a lot to see my sister. So. Right. Is this a new avenue, a new a new real, real estate? I don't know. I have to tell you, the design piece, maybe. The design piece is going to be a lot of fun. And every time we came up against a wall, whether it was like a funding issue or a code, we just figured it out. And that's yoga too, right? You're up against an obstacle. How do you take a breath, kind of pull back, and then move forward? Right. And I guess that's been tested through commercial real estate. <laughs> My friends are like, oh my God, you're still <laughs> like COVID, inflation, supply chain. I'm always, we'll figure it out. You're right. Yeah. You're right. I can't say enough about Pawtucket Central Falls Development Corporation because you figure it out as a group together. It's it's not one person alone. Maybe one person starts it, right. but not one person finishes it for sure. Awesome. So I know I threw a lot of things out there, but you know, this is over the course of 12 years. It sure started in 2010. So it's been one piece at a time. Right. Well, but I don't know, real estate, if it, if it means bringing back to life an otherwise lost, abandoned property, yeah, I would consider it. But I'm not interested in what's already bright and shiny. I'm right. interested more in, in developing more affordable housing, that, that sort of mission. Right. Statewide, yeah. Oh, no. What did I just commit to? <laughs> we got you. We got you oh, no. My poor husband's going to be like, oh, <laughs> what's next? <laughs> <laughs> thank you for your time oh no thank, thank you. you this thank has been you. great All right. well, and you've just listened to totally preventable totally preventable totally preventable totally preventable